Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning and uh, this time to be together, this time to worship, this time to, to be in your word. God, I pray that you will speak to us this morning. And that as we journey toward the, the empty tomb, I pray that we will see you and experience you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, back in January, we began this journey through the Gospel of John. And we have been going through together looking at the signs and the wonders and, and the teachings of Jesus and we get to this day, Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate the risen Lord. We've, we've spent uh, the last several weeks just focused on the cross and the death of Jesus. And we get to today, Resurrection Sunday. If you remember, John starts off his gospel with these words. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. At the very beginning, John sets this up to show that, that there is going to be a struggle between light and dark, but he gives us the end of the story in the very first words of the story. Darkness will not overcome the light. And we're reminded of, of Genesis chapter 1 that starts out in the beginning. In the beginning, and, and the earth was formless, and there was darkness that covered the face of the deep. God said, let there be light. Let there be light. And there was light, and there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. And so here God sets up this light and dark on the very first day. And so now we get to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 that gives us the story of, of the resurrection. And John has been building this case for Jesus, giving evidence and giving witness for who Jesus is. And now we get to the most significant evidence yet. We get to the resurrection. And this is the final testimony of the divine identity of who Jesus is. And this is how it begins. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. And so there is this continuing struggle between darkness and light. But darkness has failed. The light has returned to the earth and with it comes new life. With it comes a new creation, a starting over, a something different, something new. And each person in the story of chapter 20 is moving from darkness and into light as they begin to comprehend what's really going on with the empty tomb. Let's continue reading. We start with the story of Mary. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. 
Mary is this woman that we know very little about, but she, she shows up in all of the resurrection stories through all the gospel accounts. And she's the first to discover that something is wrong. Someone has tampered with the tomb. The tomb is open. And so her mind immediately goes to what she can comprehend, which is a very physical thing. She can comprehend that maybe someone has stolen the body. Maybe someone has, has rolled the, the stone away and taken the body, and she needs to rally support to go find the body of Jesus. She's still operating in the dark. And then the other disciples come to investigate. Verse 3, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Interesting little detail there. He bent over and looked in at the, st the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture what Jesus had, had that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And so what has been going on in Peter's mind the last couple days? In these post-crucifixion days where, where just a few days earlier he had actually denied Jesus. He had turned his back on Jesus. He had hid in the shadows. He found himself not in the light. He found himself in the darkness. And so as Jesus lay dead in the tomb, what is going through Peter's mind? What is he imagining? What is he thinking? What is he regretting through this time? And he hears that something has happened at the tomb, and he takes off running. He gets there as quickly as he can, and he sees the burial close. But interestingly enough, the story doesn't tell us what Peter thinks at that moment. And so next week, we're going to start in and talking about Peter. We're going to look at chapter 21, and we're going to use that as an opportunity to launch into a series on Peter and Peter's writings. But with Peter is this other disciple, this disciple whom Jesus loves. We're not completely sure who this is. It might be John who's writing this, but he shows in. He, he shows up. He walks into the empty tomb, and immediately he sees the grave clothes that are laying on the tomb, and he believes. That's enough for him. He knows something has happened, and Jesus is alive. Then Mary returns to the scene. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in whites seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize him. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? 
Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means my teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So Mary had been focused on the problem of an empty tomb. She had been focused on a missing body. And how can she reconcile that? And even when she sees the two angels, she doesn't comprehend what's going on. Even as day is dawn, she sees Jesus himself and still does not recognize him. It's not until he calls her by name. Jesus says, Mary. It reminds us of Jesus' words that says, A shepherd knows his sheep by name, and the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And so Jesus says, Mary, and immediately she recognizes. Now she comprehends. Now she believes. Now she knows what is happening. Mary. And here he is. And Jesus tells her not to hold on to this old way of thinking about him. And he gives her these interesting instructions. He says, go and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Wait, what? Wait a second. So he's been dead and now he's alive. And the news to take back is not, hey, Jesus is alive. The news to take back to the other disciples is, I'm going back to God. I'm ascending back to God. But the important piece of it is, Jesus says, I'm ascending back to my God, your God. My Father, your Father. In these words, Jesus completely transforms our understanding of our relationship with God because now the same kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father is the kind of relationship that we can have with the Father. The kind of relationship that Jesus has with God is the kind of relationship we can have with God. The relationship totally changes. Because Jesus is returning back to where he came from, it means he's very much alive then and he's very much alive now. And our access to God and our relationship with God is completely different because of it. That we relate to him as our Father. And so with resurrection, death has been defeated and the light has triumphed over darkness. And so, yes, God's response to death is resurrection, but with the ascension comes a new relationship. It's the start of something new. It's a relationship that is now spiritual and not just physical. 
And so now Mary is in the light, and Mary is comprehending heavenly things. And we have Mary, and we have Peter, and we have the the loved disciple that all look into the same empty tomb, and they all find different things at different times. Some of them are slow. Some of them are quick. Some of them need a little bit more explanation Some of them have experienced Jesus in an incredible way already. And they look into that empty tomb, and what do they find? You see, we are on a journey as well. Each of us are on this journey, and we're asked to look into the empty tomb. We're we're on this journey to the empty tomb. What is it that you find? When you look into that tomb, do you see emptiness? Do you see darkness? Do you see death? Do you see despair? Or do you find light and life? When we journey to the empty tomb, whether some of us sprint there or some of us take our time getting there, when you get to the empty tomb, what is it that you see? The tomb is empty. It's empty of death but it provides life. An empty tomb is actually full of life, full of hope. And so this is the start of something totally new, transforming us and changing our relationship. Later that evening, the disciples come back together and they gather together in a room and and imagine the buzz and the conversation and, and the things that are going on around them. They've heard the story of Mary. They've heard the story of Peter and, and, and the disciple. And what is it that they're talking about? Can you imagine the excitement, the intensity of, of, of that room? But even as excited as they are, and even with the, the experiences and the witnesses that there are, they are still fearful. The doors are locked. And so as much joy as there is with them, there's also this great fear. Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so throughout John, Jesus has been described as one sent by God. There has been evidence, there has been witness that has all been given to that truth. And now this work is finally complete. And there's a call to action to those who believe. Jesus appears to his disciples and says, I am sending you. I'm returning to my Father and I am sending you. Jesus has been God's representative on earth, and now he returns to God, and his followers take up that mantle. They take up that role to be Jesus' agents, to be his representatives in the world. 
They're working in the world, and they're, they're witnessing to the reality of God and the truth of Jesus' words. This is what Jesus calls us to. For those who have looked into the empty tomb and have found life, there is a special calling on your life. Verse 22 really becomes a, a climax of the entire gospel where Jesus breathes he breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. This is the key to the new relationship that they will have with God, the new relationship that God, that Jesus describes to Mary to say, our Father, our God. These empty tomb people are empowered people because they have now received the Spirit, and now they have a mission that parallels the mission of Jesus. And so what? What's the point? As we look at this story, as we look at the evidence that John has laid out for us all the way since January, as we've gone through these 20 chapters of John, he presents this case, he presents this evidence, and he gets to this final moment where Jesus says, I'm sending you, you have the Spirit, you are empowered to go. Be my representatives. Many scholars look at chapter 20 and believe that, that chapter 20 is actually John's end of his gospel. And, and chapter 21 is an addendum or an appendix of sorts. And we're going to read, read it that way today. That, that John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, is the conclusion of what John's message is. And then next week, we're going to look at chapter 21 as an added story and a launch into a look at Peter. But in chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What a beautiful conclusion to a story. That all that we have said from John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, throughout the, the signs of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the farewell address of Jesus and, and, and the, the last supper together and these final hours together and, and death and resurrection and ascension through all of that. This has been written so that you may believe. And so the disciple that Jesus loved comes to the empty tomb and he believes and, and Mary encounters Jesus and hears his voice and she believes and Peter comes into the empty tomb and we don't know yet what Peter is going to do with this. Will he believe or not? And we come to the empty tomb. We journey to it and we peek our head in and we see the linen laying down where Jesus' body was, and we're asked the same question. Given the evidence, given the witness, do you 
believe. When we think about our faith, the faith is something that defines how we live out our lives in this world. And we, we live under the promises and the empowering of God. And it's this faith that gives us confidence, it gives us the hope, it gives us the energy and the excitement to continue on in any circumstance, any journey, any trial we find ourselves in. When we find death, when we find destruction, when we find decay, in whatever way that it comes into our lives, our faith, our belief in the resurrection of Jesus is what gives us hope to move through that. Because Jesus defeats death. And he not only raises from the dead, but he is with God today. And because he is with God today, we can find life. Do you believe it? We say we are a, a church of Christ. We are a, a community of believers who are gathered around Christ, who look into the empty tomb, and we believe we, we say he was dead and he was buried and now he is alive. And that is what our community is built on. Belief leads to life. Life is a gift that is given through the power of Jesus, God's Son. Belief is not a simple statement. It's not a simple creed. It's not something we just write down on a piece of paper or paint up on a wall or, or hang up somewhere. Belief is a relationship that we have with our God. A relationship that we have with our Father. It is a faith in the life and the death and the, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus that gives us new life, gives us a new community, gives us new purpose. And John is writing here to strengthen faith, regardless of where our starting point is, regardless of the journey that leads us to here today. We each have these journeys. Some are sprints, some are steady, all coming to this point in time. And we look into the empty tomb and say, do you believe? John has finished his closing arguments. It's now up to the jury to decide, do you believe? The choice is ours. What will you do with this? We stand and look in an empty tomb and we have to make a judgment. What judgment will you make? Do you believe? Do you believe? Let's stand together. We come to this place and we find life, we find hope in this tomb. That God is doing something in us and for us, through us. And so like the video earlier said, maybe this is your first time to look into the tomb. Or maybe it's your hundredth time. But we, we look and we evaluate, we see the evidence, and we see Jesus very much alive.
What are you going to do with that? What will you do with that belief that you have? It's not just a creed written down somewhere. It's not a poster. It's not a handout. It should change your life. It should give you life. And so we're going to spend some time together in prayer. This is a time where you can come forward and pray with one of the shepherds. You can pray with one another. We want to encourage you to really engage in this time of prayer. That, that if you have not yet confessed, I believe, I've looked into the tomb and I believe, then we want you to come forward and make that confession with us this morning we want you to, to join with this community of, of people who have looked into the empty tomb and say, we believe. And so come talk to us about that. But maybe you have looked into the tomb a hundred times and you have said, I believe a hundred times, but there's something in your life that is, is not congruent with that. And you need to spend some time confessing that. You need to spend some time with God on that. You need to spend some time sharing that with somebody else. What do we do with this information? How do we embrace this life, this call, this mission that we have? He's sending us. And so maybe the prayer this morning is for courage to be sent. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for Jesus, the Lord. God, we're thankful that we come to you as our God and as our Father. And we celebrate with you this morning and ask that you will bless this time, that you will encourage us, that you will lift us up, that you will breathe, breathe on us now. Fill us with your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.